Hi, this is Gary Life Art, and you are listening to podcast Body is a Temple in this episode. But in yoga, like one of the things that we want to think about is lessening the amount that we're stretching. So anytime like we passively stretch. So if you're like lying on your back and you bring a strap around your foot and you're trying to put that, pull that foot towards your head, that's passive. You want to actually take away the strap, take away your arms and just start to see if you can bring how far you can bring the right leg up, hold it there and then bring the leg down and just repeat that several times. So you're moving dynamically. Hi, it's Karina, and you are listening to Body is a Temple, podcast about how to live your dream life holistically healthy. Enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Karina. Thank you for choosing Body is a Temple podcast. I want to say at the beginning a few words about the show and me. I started it from my big passion for sharing what I've learned about personal development and health, which helped me to create the life of my dreams. I hope in each episode you can find at least one thing that can help you to improve your life and live your dream life. I currently choose my paradise in Mexico. My main business are marketing services for wellness. The podcast is my passion project and I do need your support and help. You can do it by choosing a subscription plan or by hiring me as a freelancer. I have top rated profile on Upwork. You can find the link in the show notes, great reviews and a long portfolio. If you or maybe you know someone who are looking for a content creator, social media expert or marketing strategy, here I am. Other than that, enjoy the show, leave the five-star review, or tell me what I can do to earn a five-star review. Thank you. Hi, guys. Welcome to Body is the Temple. My guest today is Yogi Aaron. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, Yogi Aaron is a yogi, of course, the host of the retreats, also an author of the book Stop Stretching. And I love this title because this is the first thing uh, that people say when I said like I'm a yoga teacher as well. They said like, oh, I'm not flexible. I don't like to stretch. So I'm super happy to talk about why we should stop stretching. But first, I want to ask you why you become a yogi (laughs) and what took you to be who you are right now? What's your story? That's a very open-ended question. (laughs) There's so many things that got me to this this point. But I got into yoga, I think just for the very thing that you just said, like I thought yoga was about stretching. And at that time, I really felt like I needed to stretch. I needed to open my muscles. I needed to open my hips. And so that's what got me into yoga. Um, I would say like about, so I got into yoga when I was 18. By the time I was about around 30, I met my teacher my main teacher i've had a few teachers but my main yoga teacher and at that moment i hurt i had hurt myself several times but at that moment i had a torn hamstring and it really debilitated the physical part of my practice so much of my practice was what about i could do and um it really 
forced me it to kind of like take a, take stock of what yoga was and how it was going to be in my life and kind of giving me a whole different perspective of yoga. Um, and that kind of opened my mind up more to these tantric meditation practices, which then led me into um, kind of aligning myself at a very deep level to be open to the universe of limitless possibilities. And it was that opening and it was that inner alignment that led me to opening up my yoga retreat in Costa Rica. So that's kind of like how I arrived to where I am. But along that journey, I just mentioned, like I had injured myself several times and it took me like the first time I injured myself was sort of right after I started doing quote unquote yoga or stretching. I, I prefer to say stretching. And it, I remember the first time I hurt myself, my back got so like seized up. I could barely move. And I was 18 at the time. And I it, remember thinking like, why is this happening? Well, then I would go to yoga teachers who would say like, oh, we need to stretch your back more. We need to stretch your hamstrings. Your tight hamstrings are pulling on your back and it's throwing everything out of balance. So I continued the stretching, but it would take me 25 years to figure out like, Actually, it was the stretching that was causing more problems and not healing me. Um, my whole journey kind of like escalated to me getting into a surgeon's office. And the ortho it was an orthopedic surgeon who said to me that I probably would need a spinal fusion in my lower back. And that was kind of like a wake up call that I had to change something like all this stretching business was not helping me, it was actually making things worse. And that kind of led me into the whole path of Ayama, Applied Yoga Anatomy and Muscle Activation, where now I'm making it my mission to teach people a little bit, something a little bit more about their body and that there are solutions to their pain and teaching them about why they're experiencing pain in their body to begin with. So why they experience pain in their body? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a really good question. Um, why do you experience pain in your body? My teacher, Greg, would say that pain is like the check engine light going off. So, you know, like when the engine needs a service, there's a light that goes off, you know, and starts blinking at you. And so pain for us in our body is always like something is is not right. There's like something is not in alignment, there's instability. And so like just very recently, like in this last week, I've been dealing with pain in my knee. And, um, and so there's like this sharp pain, it's actually been building up for a few weeks. And I would go and I would either rest it, or I would like try to get some of the other muscles that are supporting the knee joint to start working. So we look at the hip flexors, and hip extensors, but nothing was helping. I mean, it would help a little bit, but it was like the pain would come back. So I got on the phone and um, with one of my teachers and we started looking at like the other muscles and in my, like below the knee. And then I started getting those muscles working and all of a sudden the pain just started going away. So pain is a symbol, pain is telling us like there's instability at a joint, there's instability in the body. So like we have pain, you know, a lot of yoga people have pain like right in front of their shoulders, right at the bicep tendon. 
And that pain is usually actually a tendonitis. And that pain is manifested because the shoulder isn't being supported properly. So this like little bicep tendon is trying to do the job of supporting the whole shoulder, which then manifests as pain because it becomes inflamed due to stress and trauma. So pain is telling us like there's instability and what we should be doing is asking the question, where is the source of that instability? Like what, where is the source of the muscles that are not doing their job properly? And once we get the the muscles doing their job properly, the pain, like most of the time will disappear very quickly. Mm -hmm. So tell me what yoga is for you, because you said like you discover it's, it is, not stretching actually so (laughs) what did you learn about yoga along the way i mean i've always been into the spiritual and always into the woo-woo um kind of stuff in life you know affirmations creative visualization crystals horoscopes astrology like you name it i've done it and um astral projection so this world is is not like strange to me, but when I when I got into yoga, there was another thing that sort of happened right around the same time, and I started to reject things that were spiritual. I felt like that was just too much a part of my life, and it was like this rabbit hole that I could get lost in and not really live my life. And ironically, yoga teaches us how to do both you know, in perfect uh, symmetry, but that's another conversation. Um, But when I met my teacher, I started to open up to the fact, or well, not the fact, the possibility that yoga can really start to reshape my mind to help me live my best life. And when I started to see that in action, like when I started to do meditation more as a practice, I started to get more into pranayama, more into chakra balancing practices. What I started to see happen was that I started to live my life more congruently. Like I started to live my life in a way that was more incongruent to the calling of my heart, if that makes sense. And and I felt like, I just felt like there was more congruency. It's hard to explain but it's kind of like, you know, I just felt like sometimes I'm, I'm a hamster on a on a wheel, just running, 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 but not going anywhere. And what yoga did for me was it started to help me become more inwardly aligned so that when I was running on the wheel, I was actually not on the wheel anymore, but going towards um, living my life purpose. And part of that is like building this retreat center in Costa Rica, creating this Ayama approach, like these things that bring not only deep fulfillment to me, but also start to make a difference in the world. Mm, beautiful. I want to dive into this more because um, the title of the podcast is Body is a Temple. And I, when people yeah. ask me what is it about, is I'm saying how to live life holistically healthy. So everything that you just mentioned, like how not to be in this hamster in the wheel. So if you could um, share some best practices for people, because that's my mission to help them to kind of like find this way out from this wheel of the hamstring. Um, 
so yeah what what are your best practices <laughs> i well i think first of all to get off the hamster wheel we just need to stop you know the hamster keeps running because the wheel doesn't stop but then the hamster keeps the wheel run you know moving because it just keeps running and so many of us are just running in place in one spot in our life not going anywhere and we we see that we acknowledge that it's like there's this fear like oh my god i'm not getting anywhere so i have to run faster but again they're not moving and i think that one of the first key things is just practicing stillness um because stillness gives us perspective on our life in a way that we can't see unless we stop um so that's one thing i would definitely suggest is people to create moments of stillness in their life where wherever that is and it could be you know a minute or two it can also be several minutes um like in a meditation practice uh but also kind of i think for me one of the biggest there's a few big big things that happened but one is my teacher gave me a chakra practice um with this deep chakra practice that really started to just help me to become more inwardly aligned um and then one thing i wanted to offer to you is you can offer to your 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 community is i have created an affirmation series and i really believe that affirmations are really powerful i've i've seen it in my own life um i created sort of out of my own journey i created a 28 day affirmation series to help people manifest and live their life purpose and part of that is just inviting people to come to stillness but also feeling themselves and affirming within themselves that they are moving in a different direction and what happens is that we start to reorganize our mind at such a deep level um one of my teachers swami rama always says that the mind is the key to your liberation or the warden of your prison um and so so many of us are living within a prison of our own mind and i i don't think this is news to anybody um a lot of people know this but a lot of people don't actually practice getting out of that self-created prison and so one of the things that affirmations do and 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 creating that bhavana of that feeling that you're actually moving out and and directing all of the energy of your mind in that one way is just so potent and and so powerful um part of part of saying an affirmation just isn't about repeating it you've got to choose good affirmations you've got to choose correct affirmations like for example a really bad affirmation is i am wealthy i am wealthy i am wealthy i mean what does that even mean i am wealthy one of the affirmations that i kind of channeled when i was moving uh to, at this moment to new york city to become a yoga teacher was um it's one of my favorite affirmations but i am opening myself up to the universe of limitless possibilities and whenever i would feel afraid or i would feel stuck creatively creatively i would just go into that inner world uh repeat that affirmation but also feel like i am becoming open and all of a sudden like usually within 12 hours like a new direction a new opportunity a new answer something would drop into my space 
whether it was internal or external, that would give me the answer for what I was looking for and get me unstuck in fear. <laughs> yeah, it seems very simple and also easier said than done. What would you say to people who are like, like getting into this fear and they like starts to kind of like going back to this uh the hamstring wheel like how they can like instantly kind of like actually become open like affirmation is good like but what if they don't feel like because like i'm i'm trying to kind of like get from the perspective of people who are a bit skeptical and they always hear about these affirmations like how we can convince them that it it does work i <laughs> I I don't know that we can convince people. I think, first of all, you know, whenever I take on a student, one of the first questions that I ask is, do you want to live your best life? Do you want to become unstuck? Because the fact of the matter is a lot of people enjoy their pain. I think that's kind of like one of the realities that we have to kind of like address is that so many people are their ego, their sense of self, their sense of worth in the world is directly correlated to their pain. The third chapter in my book is um, in Stop Stretching, the third chapter, the third section is, who am I without my pain? Who are you without your pain? And so, so many of us, like we, we say to you, like, you know, who are you? Who are you? Um, really, and then you hear people get into their whole pain story. Well, that's not really who you are. <laughs> and so, but to ask people to give up that pain story is just too big of an idea. Um, my mother is a good example. She's had so many, you know, things done in her life. She's had a, she's had some hard, you know, struggles. And so when you ask her, like, she'll tell you about some of those struggles of when she was like a teenager and she will tell, and she's 76 now. So she'll tell you those stories just like they happened yesterday. And they're so real for her. And I say to her sometimes like, you know, who are you without that? Who are you? And who do you really want to be? And so that's the first thing is like, yes. if somebody doesn't want to change, if somebody doesn't want to move on, then doing all the affirmations in the world, doing all the yoga, doing all, any meditation is never going to change them because the, you know, you know, as in yoga, we have this word viragya. Viragya means attachment. There's such a deep seated attachment to that story, that pain story, that there is no room for, for growth. And, and so then the second thing I would just say to people is you start bringing in science and say, hey, this stuff works. You know, with affirmations work because what they start to do at a deep level is is literally reprogram the mind to start being or start channeling a different way. And we know that they work because a big part of affirmations is visualization. And we know that visualizations have an effect on us physiologically. Like if I asked you right now, 
to, well, you're not American, so I don't know if this would work. But if you were, I would say, imagine that you're at Thanksgiving dinner and you're standing before the I, table. I've been on a Thanksgiving dinner last year, actually, in Santa Barbara. So I can bring this. <laughs> well, you can now, now that you can pull up that image in your mind and you can remember the smell of the turkey or the smell of the vegetables or the smell of the gravy. And as if you can really allow yourself to smell that, like in your mind, guess what's going to happen? Your body is going to start producing the gastric juices and the enzymes to digest that meal. And so like, it's, it's so powerful. Like if we start to think about something enough, we can have a physiological experience in our body um, that starts to readjust us. Um, to move differently in the world. And so that's what affirmations do is they start to literally reprogram us at a cellular level so that when we go back out into the world, we react and we behave differently to different search situations. But more than that too, we start to see opportunities where there were none before. It doesn't mean that the opportunities weren't there. It just means that the way that we see the world is different. So then we start to receive opportunities that are coming to us. Yes, to everything that you said. First of all, like attachment to the pain and uh, growing up in a European country in Poland, the, the pain is our number one response to, hi, how are you? We don't answer, I'm good. We answer, oh, this is in pain, that is in pain. I'm taking this medicine, that medicine. So like having <laughs> my condition to be surrounded at, to this and... Uh, absolutely. Yes, also to affirmation. Uh, and as you also mentioned, science, like they say that the brain doesn't um, understand the difference between something real and something that we are actually imagining. That's why they yeah. that that's so powerful, because just through imagining, we actually convincing our brain to materialize this. So I yeah. really like that. So what what do you think? make people ready to to do this change what do you think that make them ready what needs to happen in order for them to like uh creating this craving or desire to like actually let go of the pain i that i mean that's a that's the million dollar question what are the circumstances it's I mean, people, you know, one of the things that I am constantly reminding myself of, and there's a beautiful scripture in the Bhairava Tantra that says, be not concerned about people, you know, and their own process because they are discovering the infinite in their own way, which means that basically everybody is on their own journey <laughs> to sum it up. And for some people, it's going to take, you know, X amount of lifetimes and others it's not. I do. You asked a very poignant question. What is it going to take for people to make, take action? What I, sadly, I think what, what gets a lot of people to take action is something in their life that's been really devastating um, the loss of a loved one, you know, a big, you know, event. Um, uh, maybe they read a book, maybe they were inspired by a holy person or a sage, or, you know, like maybe somebody read the autobiography of Nelson Mandela and thought, I want to be a better person and, and do something big in my life. So something like that usually gets people to flip a switch 
Um, I would hope that more people don't need that, 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 that switch is flipped within them and they can just start to wake up on their own. So I don't know what the magic ingredient is, but what I can say is that I, one of the reasons why I love yoga so much, and it, I'm going to just say like any kind of yoga practice, because anytime we start to move the body and breathe and, and I'm not even going to put a qualification on the kind of breath. I'm just going to say breathe <laughs> that there's something, there's a light of consciousness that starts to become ignited in the human mind. And, and we see evidence of that all the time. When people do yoga, they make changes in their life. They become vegetarian. They decide to eat better. They decide to quit their job or leave a relationship they decide to move to Mexico, <laughs> you know, there's like people, there's something that starts to happen. And we see that consistently. What I would encourage people to do, and this is kind of where I step in is say, you've had that experience. Now let's go for broke. Let's go and do it all the way now. Because if you, if just this little bit opened up, imagine that the universe of limitless possibilities can be at your fingertips at any time. And, and so that's where I come in and say, this is, this little bit has happened. Um, how do we go all the way now? Yes, I like that. And this is also my personal story because I was a party animal, you know, I was like <laughs> drinking, taking all kinds of drugs, hated uh, any kind of sports, always avoiding it, this in the school. And it happened to be, I was working in the corporate world and, and there was a yoga studio that my my company was providing, you know, the, the entrance next to my house, like just three minutes. So I thought like, okay, let's go there. Why not? And it took a while, the transformation, but that was the spark, you know, when I discovered like, oh, I, I actually cannot touch the ground with my hands. Like that was my first class with like so much pain and resistance in the body. Fast forward uh you know 15 20 years later you know i'm here in mexico living my best life and putting whole hands you know on the ground without any issue uh so yeah movement definitely changed my life and yoga changed my life for this one so um if anyone listening uh start moving literally <laughs> first <laughs> and so let's talk about your book and like what is behind stop stretching like what people can find in the book like what answers so people can find um out exactly why stretching first of all is not helping you and could probably make things worse um but also my goal with stop stretching was to give people some understanding of their body um, in an experiential way that so many of us learn about anatomy, but it's always like outside of us. We never bring that anatomy inside of us. We don't understand it within our own body. And, and that's what I wanted to do was to give people more of an experiential approach to their body and, and understand their body and understand the muscles that are creating stability but also how we can damage that stability. And so it's kind of like twofold. It's like, how do we improve? How do we, how do we stop damaging our, our stability? 
and start to improve muscle function. And so that's that's a big part of the book as well, is going through the seven uh, major muscle groups of the body. Um, how do we start to get those muscles working? But it also invites people to look at yoga postures differently. So being a yoga teacher, you'll understand this. Like when you come into a pose, like triangle pose, for example, most teachers will cue it by, okay, so if we're coming in on our right leg, you know, we'll stick out our left hips, we'll reach out over the right leg and try to bring the hand towards the floor. Um, and, and then they'll say, bring the other hand up to the sky. And so you feel this big stretch through the left side of your, your chest and, and hips. And the way that I would cue it is differently. So this is more of the Ayama approach. Instead of focusing on the left side, we're now working on engaging through the right side. So we're engaging the right side of the obliques to shorten and contract properly so that our torso and our body is, is stable. And so that's that's the other part of it is like starting to flip the script on the way that we see and experience uh, yoga postures so that we enter, enter them with a little bit more awareness and intelligence and that we can leave those postures feeling more stable um in our bodies more strong as well yes i like that what are like the most common mistakes people do when it comes to like damaging this uh, stability not only in yoga but like basically in a daily lives oh my goodness so muscles can stop working for so many reasons um and just in our daily life like you and i are sitting right now <laughs> So, you know, that's going to have an effect in our, in our neuromuscular response between the brain and the glutes. So, you know, if you sit for more than 30 minutes, your glutes start to shut down and atrophy. And if we sit a lot, then that's going to even have more, um, you know, problems in the long run. So that's just in, in, in our daily life. Um, but in yoga, like one of the things that we want to think about is, lessening the amount that we're stretching so anytime like we passively stretch so if you're like lying on your back and you bring a strap around your foot and you're trying to put that pull that foot towards your head that's passive you want to actually take away the strap take away your arms and just start to see if you can bring how far you can bring the right leg up hold it there and then bring the leg down and just repeat that several times so you're moving dynamically and you're also using the muscles to dictate the range of motion, meaning that your quads are engaging. So that's one thing I would say to avoid doing is using any kind of like passive kind of stretches. Um, and then also work on seeing where you can actually use your body's muscular system. But the number one pose, and I, I talk about this in my podcast series, episode six, the number one yoga pose you should avoid, which you're probably not going to like, but it's child's pose. And it's one of the most like damaging poses for what it does to us muscularly, because it shuts down all of the glutes, the hamstrings, it shuts down all of the hip flexors. It shuts down all of the trunk flexors, like the abdominals, and as well as your lower back. So you come out of the pose, you're really unstable afterwards. And I remember like so many yoga classes, I would end up hurting my back 
like within like a couple of minutes and, and thinking back, like, what was the pose that I would do? Well, I'd always get to class early, roll my mat out and just kind of hang out in a child's pose uh, for a couple of minutes. And so like anytime we kind of passively stretch, it's going to have an effect um, on our muscles at a neuromuscular level. So the way that we we avoid that is by working more actively, working more dynamically. Let me give you one quick example. Like, so the opposite of child's pose is apanasana when you hug your knees to your chest. Instead of hugging your knees to your chest, have your arms out to the sides, um, maybe bring your feet flat to the floor like you would for bridge pose. And then you would pull the knees into the chest and don't hug them with your hands just use your muscles to pull the knees in. Now you're improving range of motion and you're also improving muscle function. So you're kind of doing two things at once. And then you come out of the pose and you actually are going to be stronger, not weaker. Just right before the podcast, we were talking about living a great life. So what it means for you living a great life? Living a great life means that I get to be in service to other people. Uh, it means that I also am follow, able to follow the calling of my heart. Um, so when I wrote my book, Stop Stretching, it was kind of like that purpose. I always describe it like purpose was knocking at the door of my heart and I had a chance to answer. So I think that living my my great life my best life too also denotes or living a purposeful life means that I answer the call of purpose and am able to do that. Also that I get to hike. I love hiking and I love being in nature. I love scuba diving. So anytime I'm in nature, um, that is also when I feel like I'm living more in purpose. Mm, I like that. <laughs> and if you could advise to the listeners, one thing that they might uh, start doing just right, right after listening to the podcast don't need to be anything big can be something small that will change their life what would it be and why <laughs> there's there's i have a long list but if i had to say like so because i'm talking about stability in the body i think the greatest gift we can give ourselves is stability and People ask me like, what is the number one thing, you know, pose or, or, or muscle activation? It's, it's a pose. Sometimes it's called, people call it Superman pose in, in yoga. Sometimes we call it Shalabhasana or locust pose, but you come onto your stomach and you lift your legs and you lift your chest up as high as you can. And so you activate all of your back muscles. And so, you know, one of the reasons why I got into yoga was because I didn't want to start getting old. Um, and I started noticing like older people live a very hunched over life because their back muscles are not working properly. They're not shortening or contracting properly. And so that is like one of the poses I always say. Um, I don't think many people do it, but if you had to do something every day, that's like what I would suggest is do it for six seconds and do it six times every single day. And you will feel your back getting stronger. You'll feel yourself standing more erect in, 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 in the way that you stand. 
And as you start to stand more erect, you just start to emote differently in life and have a different reaction in life. You, you walk with more confidence. So get the, get those back muscles working, change your life. <laughs> mm, I like a legit precise directions <laughs> orders and i hate this pose <laughs> that's true and and i hated it too you know i i used to hate it a lot it was my least favorite and if you look at yoga classes like how many yoga classes yoga teachers don't teach that pose hardly ever but for me it's actually the number one yoga pose it should be included every single class um, it should be taught six seconds, six times, because the weakest muscles in most people's bodies are their back muscles. I mean, there's probably other weak muscles too, but the major, talking about major muscles, it just targets those major muscles in the back, uh, making them stronger. So yes, do it. <laughs> yes, Thank you for reminding me about this. Uh, my students will know now what are we going to be doing for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> So let's talk about Costa Rica now. You have your retreat center. Like, what are you offering there for people? Uh, is it like a weekly or a couple of days retreats, or people can just come to you and just hang out with you? How how does this look like? There's three ways that people can come visit us at Blue Osa. The first way is um, on a retreat, maybe with another group. So a lot of yoga teachers host their yoga retreats with us and we promote them. So they bring their students or, you know, people um, come through our website and they see like a special retreat and they join up with that. They can also come and train with me. I lead yoga teacher training immersions. I do two weeks and I do four week options. So that's another way that people can come. Um, my trainings are magical awakening spiritually awakening um, experiences where we really dive into the yoga tradition and do practices that are embody the yoga tradition for example like one of my favorite practices that we do um, is morning silence until eight o'clock every day so nobody's allowed to talk uh, until eight o'clock and so we really try to take in like the different practices of the Himalayan tradition and bring them, weave them into the yoga uh, immersion experience. And then the third way is people can just go to our website and then choose their own sort of yoga package or yoga experience. So we have a ton of packages that people can take advantage of, uh, wellness packages, yoga packages, um, explorational packages. And that's just a really great way. People usually come for a week at a time. Um, and then in the immersions, people come for longer. Mm -hmm. That's great. Of course, uh, I'm going to put all the links uh, in the show notes uh, of this uh, episode so people can reach out to you. Um, what what were your, like, you, you're talking about teachers and you're quoting your teachers. Could you tell a couple of, like, most important people in your life are they those the yoga teachers or like people who change your life basically and all help you to open to more possibilities that's a loaded question i've had so many um really important teachers in my life 
I, one of the teachers was um, when I was like 15, 16 at the time, her name was Jaya. And she, I met her and she could see who I really was. And she could see that I was not living my most authentic life. But at that moment, she instilled in me this universe of limitless possibilities and always reminded me to go back to that source. And so she started like planted that seed of like, like I am responsible for my future and that future, that potential of what that future could be lied within me. And all I had to do was go to the intersection of that place to access it. And, um, and really, I mean, I talk about this in my first book, like, it was because of her that I had these like mind blowing experiences before I was 18 years old to really kind of prepare me and set the stage for my life later on. Um, probably the other most influential teacher is my teacher, Rod, who um, kind of brought taught me about Tantra yoga and um, in the, in the systemology of Tantra, like, Tantra really, Tantra is many things, but one of the things that Tantra is about is learning how to harness the full potential and energy of our mind and direct it towards fulfilling life's purpose. So those are the two people probably the most that influence me. Yeah, I like to ask these questions because like that's important to find your teacher. That's why I want to invite people to find you and uh, your retreats in Costa Rica and be exposed to this light and wisdom. Um, so thank you. That was a great talk. Do you have any final thoughts to share with the audience? Stop stretching, start activating. <laughs> and, you know, I said earlier, like, like I was talking about doing Superman pose, like I can just see a lot of people nodding their heads going, yeah, that would be really great. But you actually need to go and do it. So these practices are there and will dramatically help you if you use them. So I would just encourage people like use the tools. Don't just put the tools on, you know, a shelf somewhere in your mind, but actually start to use them because they do work. And I really believe that each of us are entitled to an incredible life. We're all born to have this amazing life. Um, but these and these tools help you to be able to do that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for the conversation. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me here.